Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the writer, actress, comedian Rita Rudner. She's best known as a stand-up comic who rose to fame in the 80s and has been performing ever since in a career that's included a popular, long-running showcase in Las Vegas. But she got her start in the theater, performing in the original productions of legendary Broadway shows, including Follies and Mac and Mabel. She and her husband, Martin Bergman, have collaborated on films like Peter's Friends and a handful of plays, and their latest, Two's a Crowd, is now running off-Broadway at 59 East 59th Theatres. Redner is in the studio with me to tell us about the inspiration for her new show, what she intends to have engraved on her tombstone, and what she learned from Gower Champion and David Merrick. Hi, Rita. Thanks for joining me. You're very welcome. I think you should add sweaty to that introduction. Yes, yes, it's very sweaty My today here in New York. My forehead, but that's okay, because yes. that means that... Um, I don't know what it means. It means maybe I'll lose weight. Okay, yeah, there you go. It also means the—I mean—the listeners can't can't either can neither see your sweat nor smell it. Yeah, so but now all, I've mentioned it, so no, I've kind of negated that yeah. attribute. Okay, never mind. It's I'm not fairly, sweaty. I'm really pristine. <laughs> and it is fairly air conditioned in here, so it is. And it's, let's just—it's yeah. very white. It's got some very nice ice cube trays on the top of the ceiling with lights nice, in them. Well, Even though the building place, yeah. isn't finished, some of the lights have already gone out. Yes. Which is, <laughs> We're I don't know it. why. Yeah. I think you need a little bit of artwork. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, the walls yeah. are very bare. Okay, but otherwise I think um, it needs work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but I'm happy to be here with yeah. you, even though you're not as sweaty as I, I saw, am. No, only because I got here a little earlier. Yeah. Well, uh, I think you cheated. I saw, <laughs> so I saw your show, Choose a Crowd, last night, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And 
Tell me why a stage show? You've written things before, of course, and you've written movies and plays. And why was this uh, uh, stage? It's sort of a play with music. And, That's uh, it. You do sing, but... Yes, uh, we yeah. wanted to write... and Well, we just kind of look around and see what's not there. Mm-hmm. And I always admired Neil Simon comedies, which to me are timeless. I mean, you look around and you still see the odd couple being performed all over the country. And Barefoot in the Park was even performed in the theater next door to me in our, where we have our beach house, which we, where we tried the show out. Mm, right. So... Yeah, how long ago was that now? That was was that last year? That last, was, summer, last summer, last yeah. September. I yeah. don't know, somewhere yeah. there. Yeah. And then um, we, Martin and I, decided. Well, what's not there is a show that addresses problems of older people and has witty dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to write a Neil Simon play with music. And Why music? That's what we did because um, I used to sing on Broadway. Yeah. And I we'll just, talk about that soon. Yeah, but yeah. I just thought it would lighten the mood because mm-hmm. we didn't want to write something. It tends to be Broadway tends to be divided into things that are very very heavy, or things that are very very light, and there's nothing kind of in the middle. So we wanted to try something in the middle, and we but because we didn't want to do something to kill a mockingbird, which is important and a wonderful play. You can't add music to that because that's a serious (laughs) serious piece. But there's another uh, show that Martin and I both really liked when we were younger people going to shows on Broadway, which was uh, they're playing our song, Mm -hmm. which starred Lucy Arnaz and uh, Robert Klein. And we just said, let's do something like that, where there's a light-themed show where you could add music. So that's what we did. Right. Uh, Martin, we should say, is Martin uh, Bergman. He's your husband mm-hmm. and uh, also frequent collaborator. You've been collaborating with him for quite a long time now. We mm-hmm. met because I was performing at Catch a Rising Star mm-hmm. and he was a comedy producer and a theatrical producer. And he was looking for shows to bring to Australia and to England and to the Edinburgh Festival. And he saw me and he had the good sense to think I was funny and he hired <laughs> me to do the Edinburgh Festival. And that was We've been married for 31 years, so, right. and then we didn't date. Let me do math because I'm really – my daughter's ba- good at math. I'm bad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then we, we knew each other for two years before that, so we knew each other for 33 years, and then – we dated 33 years, but I knew him like 35 years. Two years, I didn't date him. And then then we did date, and then we got married 31 years ago. When did you start writing with or collaborating with him? The day I moved into his apartment on the Gold Coast in Australia, oh. we rented a typewriter because that's how long <laughs> ago it was. And we started collaborating on our first movie script. And then we both started reading books about movie scripts, which we do, which what, what we did too with this um, – musical play, you know, reading books about writing musicals and how to incorporate music that that moves the theme along. And we just started studying it and you do it over and over and over and over and over again until you get something right. And our first produced screenplay was Peter's Friends. Right. Right. Um, and what books were helpful for you for this project, did you oh, find? There, yeah, I never know the titles oh, okay. of anything, but there's lots of, you know, Broadway books for how to sure. write music. Yeah. And I had a lot of experience because I was in six musicals on Broadway. That is true. And I was in Mac and Mabel from the beginning, which was a tremendous... The other yeah. ones I was replacement in, but I was right. a tremendous learning experience. I mean, I saw Gower Champion just throw out huge bits of the show and bring huge bits in. Yeah. And then I saw the producer, David Merritt, come and insist these that... Are, these are legendary. I mean, all our listeners will know this, but these are legendary names that you're talking about. Yeah, right well, that was, that's why I was so excited yeah. to be in the show with David Merrick and Gower Champion and Bernadette Peters and Robert Preston. Yeah, right. I mean, it was a huge learning curve. And um, it was interesting to see uh, one of my favorite books. Oh, what, tell me his name. It's oh, my favorite book about Broadway. 
and he died, and then he wrote screenplays, and then he was really good. Come on, you can do it. You is can it William do- Goldman? Yes, is you it- see, I knew you could do it. Uh, is it called The Season? That's I think that's season. what that one's called. Oh, yeah. see, I look at you, and so- you have all the knowledge right in yeah. your head. <laughs> but William Goldman and The Season, there can only be one muscle, and you, if you've got two muscles, you're going to have a bad clash in uh, personalities. And Gower right. Champion and David mm. Merrick were both the muscle. And Gower yeah. Champion was really terrific. But the minute David Merrick came in and started once, you know, he said, we've got to have a Hello Dolly number. We've got to have pretty costumes. Right. We've got to do because he comes from a different place than Gower Champion, who's going to follow the story. So it that was just such an interesting um, interval where we all got fitted for these gorgeous costumes and hats. And we he wrote a song. We all called it Hello Mabel. And um, <laughs> when in the end of the first act, we, we all came in and we danced in these gorgeous gorgeous costumes and had nothing to do with the show and right. it never appeared again and yep. David Merrick insisted that we use the costumes again so we did them in the bow and <laughs> <laughs> and then and no one knew who we were because they'd never seen us in these costumes sure. so it was really interesting and I, I used all of my experiences we yeah. read lots of books and then we tried it out in, in our little playhouse yeah. and we're still tinkering but what we wanted to do that we know how much an audience loves good dialogue witty dialogue and um, classic confrontations between two styles of people trying to share the same space right right um and you're also i know you're also at work on an autobiography was uh as anything in to the crowd uh inspired by taken from your life or there's nothing uh, any autobiographical autobiographical? no we have but i do have friends who are very very uh much like my character Mm -hmm. who's wendy solomon who are very precise and organized i used to say one of my friends you'd open her refrigerator and her food was on little hangers you know she was just like a closet (laughs) but i mean you know everything's in alphabetical order and one of those people. I've right. never been one of those people. I'm a mess. When a burglar once broke into my house, things were neater when he left. See, that's my <laughs> joke. But anyway, I'm I'm much more Oscar than Felix. But this is right. kind of a classic Oscar-Felix situation until they get to know each other. Right. And it's also about people having different layers because um, that's one of the lines in the, the play is right. I shouldn't judge a man by his shirt. Right. Because <laughs> right. this is a man who, even though he's... Uh, seems uh, that they would have nothing in common. They do connect on, on certain levels once they get to talking to each other. Right, right. And who... Yeah, you said there can only be one muscle in a show. Uh, according the to, I was just going to ask. Okay, thank you. <laughs> There's nobody else. I mean, I do. I have suggestions, and we generally agree on things, which is how we stay married. Right. But um, he is the one who decides things. And but if I strongly disagree, I'm going to say it. But it's very rare that I think his judgment is. Um, not on the money. Yeah. What What in general is your collaboration process like? How do you write together in, on a sort of day-to-day basis? He's the organized basis? one. Okay, yeah. And he has the computer, and we have this great big desk because we bought a beach house in Laguna, and we knocked it down, but we saved a lot of the furniture because it was antique furniture, and there was this huge desk, and it's two-sided. You don't see many two-sided oh, yeah. desks, mm-hmm. and it's all scarred up, and we really love it. So he sits on one side, and then I sit on the other side and I put my feet up and I stare at the ocean. <laughs> and then he says, okay, we need a joke here. What can, and then I say, say the joke. And then we, dis- then we go out to lunch and then we discuss how we're going to develop the character for the next scene. And okay. it's very enjoyable. And yeah, that things, nice. I find things are much more enjoyable when you're doing them for free. Because yeah. when Martin and I would um, write, we were loads of movies in Hollywood and right. we got paid 
a lot of money, I have to say. And we sold spec scripts, and yeah. all of a sudden there was an influx. One time we, we uh, sold a script for so much money that um, when Martin went to deposit the check, the teller actually flirted with him. So <laughs> and I said, well, that's how you know it's a good check. When the yeah. teller's flirting with you, you're depositing the check. But they drive you crazy. And you go, you go in. They're very mean. They say, uh, "Someone, this needs to be on page twenty. Someone has to be shot. You're not following my rules." And they, I just, I just got so dispirited. And then, as one of my friends, who's a screenwriter, said, "I said, I don't write um, scripts. I write novels with stage directions because nothing ever gets made, you know." And then you go through the process. In fact, this is funny. So the very first writing job Martin and I got was for a movie called. Um, the, it just got, it just got made. Okay, you're gonna know this one again. It just got made, and it's about four women who do the bank robbery, and. Oh. Yeah, widows, widows, right? See, I love you. Will you follow me around wherever sure, I go? Sure. Widows. So 31 years ago, or 30 years ago, that's the first script that Martin and I got to rewrite was, wow. was Widows. And that's how long and how many incarnations things take. And w- when we got the script, Linda LaPlante, I think, who was the original writer, had already been fired, as yeah. had many famous writers. Sure. And we, they had just crossed their names off. And they... And the first thing is how they're going to fire you on the script. And I'm sure 20 more people got fired in 30 years. You can't. We didn't want to live our lives like that anymore. Yeah. So we found that um, doing things by ourselves, and that's why I went to Las Vegas. I right. Martin produced the show. I wrote my right. things. We went straight to the audience. Right. And we did really, and really well. You are, this is, you are the longest running solo comedian well, show I out was. there. Is that I right? Okay. Now I've lost that. Um, I think I've lost that title to Carrot Top. But now I say I'm the longest running comedy show that's not named after a vegetable. See there, yeah. yeah. So I can still say it. I just have to right. add vegetable. Right, yeah. yeah. And now you tour, yeah. Is, I do. I and, do. Little, like even here, Monday night, I am out in. I noticed that. Yeah. I'm out in Morristown, New Jersey. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on August fifth, I'm in uh, the Argyle. I saw that. Theater I think like Babylon. Long Island, right oh, somewhere. I'm yeah. Remembering. Yeah. See, I know things that you don't know too. Yep. You're not the only brainiac in that's, this very, very sparse. Room. <laughs> um, and so the uh, you have a collaborator uh, for the music in To The Crowd. Yes. Who, how did you find him? And- well, I do lots of radio because I do um, mm-hmm. lots of promotions in and, and I raise lots of cha- I do lots of charities. Right. So I actually met um, Jason Fetty, who we think is a, a fabulous musician and at a charity show that I was doing for a local radio station. And mm. we got to be friends, and we heard some of the songs that he'd written. And he actually had uh, albums released in England, and mm-hmm. Martin and he became very good friends because they're both, in- both English. Right. And when Martin finds somebody he can relate to from his from his homeland, it's very right. exciting for yeah. him, even though we've got a lot of American friends. We live in America. And we said, let's try. And he came up with some songs, and we're still rewriting a lot of them, but he's a witty, wonderful. We wanted to write songs that were reminiscent of the Beatles and mm-hmm. lighthearted music. And he, we also wanted him, he was so effective in our show in Laguna, we added more of his singing as a narration plot mm-hmm. and to move the, um, the show along because, unfortunately, we don't have huge mechanical um, help and we don't right. push a button and all things yep. move we have to move our stage ourselves right so we he wrote um little songs that kind of cover the stage uh when we're changing the stage and i just love listening to him i just think he's a fantastic composer and a fantastic musician and has a um 
evocative voice. Don't you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think he's he's a great addition to the show. He's a uh, he's a great voice to have. And we also. wanted to yeah. do something different because that kind of never happens in a show. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So as as we've talked a little bit about, uh, you spent some time on Broadway. You uh, sang and danced in a lot of um, shows that people will have heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, you were in Follies. You were in Annie. You were in Promises, Promises, Promises. Annie, I mean, Magic right? Show, So Long, Hundred and Magic Show, the Doug Henning Show, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was um, understudy to Charmin, uh-huh. and I got and also Dina. Right. And I got cut in half and <laughs> I got changed into a tiger and it was very, I loved doing it. I was, and that was one of my standby jobs where I didn't right. have to go to the theater every night. Oh, great. I just had to call yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That right. was a good job. Yeah. yeah. What are your, what are your memories of Broadway in general at that time? This would have been in the sort of late 60s, 70s, early it 80s. Was, it what? was in the late 70s and eight. No, yeah. All, all through the 70s because yeah. my last show was in the 80s. Right. Yeah. So, and I came to New York when I was 15 and in fact, and you'd been a dancer before then. Yeah, you studied dance, and I started when I was a, four. Yeah, oh right, yeah, I yeah. did all back acrobatics, tap, right. jazz, mostly ballet. I was right. in ballet companies when I was ten and eleven. I okay. was yeah. always a dancer, but um, you know, we just did the Apollo, the man of fiftieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just remember, and I was fifteen, living by myself in the Barbizon Hotel for Women. There were no TVs or anything. Yeah, and I went down and sat with all the old ladies, and we watched because it was a bunch of old ladies at the Barbizon yeah. Hotel for Women, and I watched the landing on the moon and the black and white television. <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah, and I was fifteen, just sitting there with oh god. But anyway, my daughter's seventeen; she's not allowed out of the house. Yeah. In fact, she's <laughs> here, what, and she's yeah. the wardrobe mistress backstage, so I keep an eye on her. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, um, and what? Uh, well, first of all, I have to ask you about Follies because I feel like that is a show that is particularly legendary. Oh, sort of, wasn't that? Uh, I was yeah, so what, honored. I went right from Promises, Promises in, to Follies and yeah, I replaced... And your um, replacement, yeah. The legendary... I was the first replacement on Broadway and I replaced Graziella Danielle. Oh, wow. Who was phenomenal yeah. dancer and choreographer. Yeah. And, but she did lead tango. And Margot, another girl, transferred into lead tango and I took Margot's spot into the regular tango. Got it. But just to be one of the Follies... All these girls was, I mean, I was on cloud nine that I could get a job like that. And um, I was just honored to go into the theater every night and and be in in a show that was that important. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, is there a show in particular that has really meant a lot to you? over over the course of your career? You I talked think, about Mac and Mabel. As I think um, Follies and Mac and Mabel yeah. were my two favorite shows. I liked Annie. Annie was important because I had a part. Yeah, right. And I was Lily St. Regis, so right. I got to actually talk on Broadway in my own part rather than when someone broke a leg yeah, right. or you know couldn't make it. So right. that was that was really important. But that was kind of the time I, I said, I've done this for 10 years. Maybe I should try something else. There aren't too many female comedians. I'll try that. Right. Did you... Were, are you, were you a jokester before then? What never, led you to comedy, I guess? Other than, never I mean, said anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was so quiet, and people always said, what's wrong with Rita? And, and then people still say, well, Rita was never funny. Why right. is this happening? I just decided to learn how to be funny. And I thought it was something that could be learned. 
Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, evidently. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so what are the rules? On one day, I'll write a book about okay, it. Okay, yeah. yeah, that seems yeah right. I can't really yeah. say it in one little sentence. Yeah. There's a lot, that, a lot that goes on. Right. And it seems effortless. It's the same. It's a lot the same as ballet, where mm. when you, which is what I was schooled in, right. where when you see a ballerina, you go, oh, that looks so easy. Sure. You know, anybody can do it. And then you try it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's right. the same with comedy. You go, maybe people go, oh, my friend's funny. You, she should be on stage. And yeah. then they get on to, oh, well, it's not that easy, is it? What? Of all your theatrical experience uh, leading up to that, what in your theater experience prepared you, what did you feel well prepared for uh, moving into the stand-up world that, that your sort of theatrical background uh, kind of I guess that I was, uh, I was on stage, but yeah. that's the only thing. I was just going to say, okay, and what are the differences? Like, Everything is different. Yeah. And, and dancing, you don't stop moving, and in comedy, you don't move. Right. Right. And, for, and I was so scared for a long time. Not only did not, I not move, I wouldn't let go of the microphone because I was just gripping onto yeah. it for dear life. Yeah. In a totally different way than stage fright would have been for you on Broadway? It was, it was a different kind of fear? Please, or there's, did nothing, you... there's nothing the same except yeah. I'm standing on a stage. Right. So I guess I must, and I used to you know, talk on yeah. stage, do parts. But um, another thing that prepared me for Two's a Crowd was that this was my third play yeah. in Laguna. Right. And Martin and I adapted my first novel, which was about becoming a comedian, Tickled right. Pink. Right. And I played lots of parts in that. And it was fun because I got wigs and I had to do voices and I never did anything like that. Yeah. Then I got sent to play to do in London and I didn't yeah. want to do it. It was a two-person play. But I like to challenge myself at least once a year to do something that's just out on a cliff. Right. And... This was this was my my yearly cliff. Yeah, I was just going to ask: Is this it? Is this the cliff? This yeah. is my cliff. Yeah. Next year is probably my autobiograph- autobiographical cliff. Right. Yep. And uh, let's see what other cliffs I can find. What comes after that. Yeah. yeah. Um, as you mentioned, you uh, were there weren't very many female comedians uh, back when you were. I knew Joan out. Rivers and Phyllis Diller. Right. That's yeah. all I was aware of. And how how hard was it to break through? Did you extremely find, hard? Yeah. There's nothing easy. Yeah. I've tried everything. It's going to be on tombs- in my tombstone. Nothing was easy. And yeah. then if Molly, my daughter, ever comes to visit me, it's going to say, what have you accomplished today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to, she's, I make her crazy when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to come visit you then. Uh, you're going to come visit me. It's going to say, what have you accomplished yeah. <laughs> today? <laughs> um, has, have things improved in the comedy world, to your view? I think so. Yeah. I think very um, slowly and you know, marginally. But what I've found is that um, comedic actresses are now allowed to star in movies, which it didn't really happen when I was uh, a comedian. You know, like I think Amy Schumer starring and writing in her own movie is a fantastic step forward. And there's so many great comedic actresses now with, you know, Kristen Wiig and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Melissa McCarthy. And I could just, you know, keep going on. I just think, and they're allowed to star in movies, which it was always Adam Sandler and Claudia Schiffer is the wife. Or (laughs) somebody was always, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer is the new comedian. She's so funny. Kim Basinger has never been funnier. But now, real women who are funny are allowed to star in movies. So I think that's a tremendous step forward. Who or what do you consider the sort of biggest influence on your sense of humor? Jack Benny and Woody Allen. The two of them? Yes. I loved Woody Allen's writing, Mm -hmm. and I thought he was a fantastic comedy writer. I used to listen to his um, albums in the 60s from that hungry, hungry, what was Hungry eye, hungry foot, hungry toe. I I don't know know that one. It was a hungry part of your body. And um, then... 
Uh, Jack Benny, my mom always liked him, and I loved that he was so understated. And I realized that my persona could never be aggressive because of who I was as a person, and I decided to um, kind of concentrate on uh, an understated sort of comedy, which I got from those two people. Have your feelings about Woody Allen as a comedian changed at all? Yes. Yes, I I, I stopped... um, I stopped going to see his shows when he married his stepdaughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. So. And I just thought that he, uh, I think he was wonderful, but I think that everybody needs some um, editing. And for mm-hmm. some reason, he was somebody who I wrote a movie, I write a movie every year, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, I think that there's nothing better than Hannah and her sisters. Annie Hall right. was yeah. a watershed movie for me, yeah. and I saw it over and over. And I went to see everything. Love and death, and you know, uh-huh, yeah, all he's wonderful. Sure, but I think he—you can't just. I'm writing a movie every year. I'm doing it. Yeah, and, you know, how about spending some time on it? Right, right, yeah. Um, and so you are here in New York. Uh, yes, we're here for the till summer. August twenty fifth, yep, yep. and um, we are doing lots of shows, and the audiences are really, really enjoying them. Where do you hope it goes next? We don't know. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. We're still, you know, tinkering with it. And we always had offers. Like, I had a lot of offers to do the a play I did in Laguna, which was called Act Three, which was written by a different play- playwright, mm-hmm. and it was sent to me. Yeah. And I have to figure out if it's worth it for me to uproot everything. And right now, the only reason, you know, I love doing this play, and I'm so fortunate, you know, to be at 5090's 59th Theater. Yep, right. And it's a great little theater. Off, it a, uh, it's technically an it, off-Broadway theater. Um, yes, and right off Central Park. might be on 59th Street. Uh, yeah, it might be. Yep. <laughs> uh, but this is my daughter's last year of high school. Right. And uh, the reason that this fit into our plans is that she's here with us, and we gave her her first job, and she's very good. She does has a headset on, and she's running around getting everything washed and cleaned and preset. And great. Doing, and she hasn't made a mistake. I've made a few, and she hasn't yeah. made a mistake. <laughs> sure. So I have to see if it fits in with our agenda. Right. How how do you find, uh, when you're acting and playing a role, how do you feel like that uh, kind of intersects and interacts with uh, the, the comic? Well, the I, we inserted some things where I do. can talk to the audience. Yes, that's true. Yes, I, I noticed be, that last night. Because, there moments. Yeah, because yeah. I enjoy talking to the audience, and I always feel, because I'm so used to it, I have a special connection mm-hmm. when I talk directly to the audience, right. and it kind of gives you an insight into what this woman is thinking. Um, in right. her inner self. So we might add a little bit more of that as right. the time goes on because it seems to be working so well. Right, right. So I think that informs the play. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have other plays or plays with music or musicals even that One you are considering writing? With? No, <laughs> now i got to finish my... I mean, I did finish my autobiography, but I'm going to go over and over and over and then see... Um, See what I can do with that. Right. But, and I have loads of, luckily, I have loads of stand-up work whenever I want to do it. Yeah. And it's really fun. And I love it. People go, oh, you poor thing. You've got to travel. I say, oh, it's so hard. You yeah. know, I get on a plane. I order a mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> I read a book. I don't have anyone saying, make me dinner, wash the dishes. You know, mom, where's my socks? Right. Yeah. And then I go there and I tell my jokes. Everyone's really nice to me. And I stay in a hotel and I have a glass of wine and I bring it up to the, and I watch my television. I go to sleep and it's, it's like being on a little vacation. Right. Yeah. I read a 
book I read a magazine and it's and then they, they get paid and everybody's happy what, how often does your act how much does your act change show to show does I always um, try to give do new things all mm-hmm. the time I've got yep. a whole bunch of notes right there okay. that I'm gonna uh, I, two to three I can only do two to three things um, at the new things, most at new the, things yeah. because my your brain doesn't can't really um, absorb that many new things and you never know what's going to happen so right. I always have to hammer hammock it between two jokes that work and then put it in a specific place and it's it's a complicated right. procedure where are you finding most of your inspiration for your life jokes these days? and the fact that i don't know how anything works these days okay. and <laughs> the technology that i i stay away from political humor because uh-huh. first of all it changes every day yep so if i would write something today next monday it would be obsolete and no right. one would be caring about it and i think it's a perfect um platform for people who have a nightly show or even a weekly show, right. but not for someone who has a show that has to build and have longevity. Right, right. Um, I, you know, raising a teenager, being married sure. for a really long time. Yep. All these things that people can relate to. Right, right. Well, we look forward to seeing you on stage, uh, both in Tuesday Crowd and uh, in your comedy shows. And uh, thanks for being here. Enjoy the run of your show. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to take a shower. Okay, oh, do please. It's really hot out there. Okay, thanks, Rita. Nice to talk to you. Thank take you. Care. Bye. That was Rita Rudner the co-writer and star of Two's a Crowd, playing this summer at Off-Broadway's 59 East 59th Theaters. And you can also catch our stand-up sets at various stops around the country. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, I'd be very grateful if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help a podcast like ours grow. Or tell a friend. I'll be back with another new episode in two weeks. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.